Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Four, three, two, one. I told you before to be careful where you put your legs. I was only trying to be helpful. I can help myself. What are you waiting for? Come on. Come on. What are you waiting for? Come on. Come on. For seven decades, Michael Caine has been among the world's most renowned and recognisable actors. It was just what I needed, a one-inch god with a two-inch penis. The star of classics like Zulu, The Man Who Would Be King and The Cider House Rules. It's a miracle no one was killed. But also films that brought his career to the brink of complete implosion. I made a mistake. Somehow, he has always found a way back. You're a big man, but you're in bad shape. With me, it's a full-time job. In this epic podcast series, we will watch and review every Michael Caine movie, from the greatest hits... You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off! ...to the incredible misses. You failed to maintain your weapon, son. And take a deep dive into the life and work of one of the world's most recognisable film stars. His name is Michael Caine, and no one will forget his name. To understand how he has made the mark of Caine. Well, you all settled in? Right, we can begin. For God's sake, come in! Hello and welcome to the Mark of Kane, our ongoing prodnipoke at the filmography of Michael Kane, watching every single movie from the greats to the absolute stinkers and the ones in between, of which there have kind of been remarkably few so far. My name is Michael Foley and I'm joined as always by Stephen Black of the Mallow News Twitter account. How are you doing? I'm not going to lie to you, I've been better. Uh, oh, this, no. podcast, this, podcast, this podcast is like a kind of a degenerative disease that every <laughs> every time you think you have an up, you know, you think, oh, well, there's no symptoms this week. Maybe the new drugs are working. Mm-hmm. You know, like the last time with the, the man who would be king, you kind of go, oh, the new regimen, they got it working, you know. Uh, and then it's back to you have all the symptoms reappear. You're sluggish. Uh, mm-hmm. Stools are loose, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Lethargic, yeah. Fucking peeper, fucking peeper. I swear to God. I know. I, I'd say normally in these scenarios where we go, normally from, my my stools are always loose. <laughs> they're always loose. Nothing new there. Um, normally in these scenarios where we go from a classic to you know standard. I wouldn't say this isn't standard anything. It's just bad. Yeah. But um, you know, in in this scenario, I'm the one who comes on here going, oh, what's going on with his career? I think I, I think I'm growing. I I'm kind of just going. You know what? This is what happens with him. Just enjoy. Well, do you know what it is? Do you know what what it is? You're just numb. You're like uh, yeah. you're like a hooker's hooker's been on the game for years. <laughs> you feel nothing. You're on your back, legs akimbo in the air, doing the shopping list in your head while punter after punter um, leaves their love deposit in you. Oh. And that's the that's the that's just the way it is now. You just there's no sensation there anymore. You might there's as well nothing. be paralyzed below the waist. There's nothing. There's nothing. I certainly feel screwed after watching people, that's for sure. From the sunlit uplands of the man who will be king down into the dark valleys below of people. Bad, bad stuff. It's Michael Kane. Again, indulging his affection for film noir. We're just going to get into this. Playing a Cockney private investigator, 1940s LA. He's here with an old flame, Natalie Wood, Natalie, and one of the lads from Blazing Saddles. It's complicated. It's meant to be funny and dramatic and some kind of homage to the films that Kane knew and loved. 
But is it any of those things? This, this is peeper. Back in 47, L.A. was some kind of a town. In those days, a dive was a joint. A torpedo might cloak you. Dane didn't take lips from love. A gun was a Roscoe. A private eye was a peeper. And Leslie Tucker was on the toughest case of his career. You mean you haven't looked for your daughter since 1918? I've been busy! Tucker knew his client was a tough customer, but he didn't know that a faded photo and a shady story would lead him on a trail drenched in blue blood and blackmail. Get lost! Get lost! I am lost. 20th Century Fox presents a Robert Chartoff and Erwin Winkler production. Michael Caine and Natalie Wood. This is how I always hoped it would be. Being a private eye, you know. Sigh. Well, where do you want to go with this? I don't know where you go with this, to be honest. If you can listen to the trailer, you get an idea that this is probably a worse defense. This is nothing. It'd be, as you say, it just gives you no sensation. The worst thing a film could do is just leave you with no feelings other than you know resentment, I suppose, really, of time being wasted. This goes. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, it's, a, it's a comedy that isn't funny. It's yeah. a spoof that isn't spoofy. It's just yeah, a plot that's a plot that thinks it's complicated, but it's just incomprehensible. Like yeah. we start with the opening. I mean, like it opens in a dark alley with this kind of baffling monologue delivered by the same Humphrey Bogart impersonator that starred with him in Pulp. Mm-hmm. Like I, I to kind of rip off the terrible dialogue here. It's clear that this is going to be a trip down memory lane. Only everyone has dementia. <laughs> so we have our Bogart. We've got we've already in there. We've got a reference to uh, pulp, and then there's a bit like imagine having a callback to too late the hero as a nod and a wink to an audience of two or three people that actually know what the fuck is happening. Incredible. That'd be like us having callbacks in this podcast. What's the point of it? <laughs> Who the fuck is listening? You know, for the two lads that actually remember what happened in the previous. You know, like people people skip just to the ones they know. So I mean, yeah, it's it's a completely pointless exercise. Even the book that they, like, this was even based on a book. Somebody wrote this. Yeah, as a book, and, and the then book? they decided to pulp. Or sorry, not pulp. Deadfall. Deadfall. The old Kane film. Yeah, yeah. And it's just fucking god awful, dreadful. It's dreadful. Just to jump dialogue. back. It, yeah. Oh my god. Just to jump back to that um, too late the hero uh, call out. It's just just very briefly to put the meat of the bone on the bones of that. Like it, it, it's it's. <laughs> The worst, but the worst name for a butler ever as well, Trevor. So Trevor the butler, who's Japanese. Do we not go to, do we not go to school with a Trevor Butler, no? <laughs> Possibly did. So Japanese Trevor, anyway, is the butler in this. It doesn't matter whose butler he is. It really doesn't matter. But yeah, it, it's like he's. It's there. a Kane's greatest shits. It's a great oh. Kane's greatest shits. It's all the shit he, things about Kane in this. It's fucking reminders of the shit movies that he's made. Yeah, bad decision, bad direction. Yeah. Wooden performances. I mean, oh, not only wood by name, wood by nature, but yeah. she's fucking brutal in this. Like, I can see more chemistry in a fucking plague pit. I'd say Jimmy Savile, <laughs> one of his many rumored visits to morgues, would have had more chemistry with the corpses that he encountered than Michael Caine has with Natalie Wood in this fucking film. Do you not think he's? Do you not think? Now, keeping in mind that um, Caine and Natalie Wood would have dated uh, back in in the Gambit days in the mid sixties, briefly. Do you not think he's kind of? Because uh, I I thought actually like this was filmed. 
okay, so it comes out at the end of 1975, but it was actually filmed in 1974, right? Now, I was looking back at, like, he looks very well in this, I think. Actually, yeah, he looks healthy. A hell of a lot healthier than he did in the other movies around 1974. Do you not think he's kind of trying to, uh, you know, you know the way you meet your old flame, you kind of want to put your best side out? I, I don't know what he was doing off camera, but he certainly wasn't, that wasn't translating <laughs> wasn't it on camera. It on camera. <laughs> like, they've, I mean, they ha- I'd say they have about five minutes screen time in total throughout this movie. And it's an 87 minute movie that feels like two hours. Oh, Jesus. And does, yeah. every time, like, it's so, the dialogue is so dead and so not even close to the kind of noir dialogue that is trying to, it's like Raymond Chandler after a rake academy. And, you know, it's just, <laughs> it doesn't know what it is. It's like, it's like, it's terrible. If alien, it's like a, a photocopy of a photocopy. It's just degrade, degraded. It's just not anywhere near as good as the original. And if you're not, if you're not going to be as good as or able to spoof it adequately, then don't fucking do it at all. It's, it falls between, it's, it's a, no, sorry. This is even giving you too much credit to say it falls yeah. between two stools. It's like dead men don't wear plaid. Steve Martin kind of piss take of noir. Kind well, of. That's a good, that's what it's going I think, I think yeah. that's, I think that's almost what it's going for, but it doesn't get there because it's kind of going, well, we want to be a bit dramatic as well. And we want to have a bit of that going on and it just doesn't get there at all it's terrible it's one of the worst films I've ever seen in my life um, and at this point maybe it's time to do the plot will I just do the plot and we can we can start getting really crossed and after I, that do you know what I'd nearly tell you to do the, the, the plot from Wikipedia because it's clear even the person who wrote the Wikipedia page was so disinterested by this movie that they managed to rattle off the plot yeah. and they give up by the time they get to the, what happens at the well, end I think you'll find I think you'll find that my plot outline is very very similar to the Wikipedia one not for want of plagiarism although do you know what that might be the way to go but yeah I you you mentioned there it's 87 minutes long and we've we've talked about this before with Kane movies you can kind of gauge your interest in the Kane movie how often you check the the time and the bottom how long is left and also how many sittings sometimes you watch. I watched this, I think, in about seven sittings. I couldn't, I could not, I could not go longer than about 10 minutes without going, I think I want to gouge my eyes out with a blunt spoon. Yeah, so for anyone anyone who hasn't, uh, listening who hasn't seen this, maybe the right time to watch this is uh, maybe Christmas Day when you'd be going to the Jacks maybe six or seven times anyway. So Exactly. Well Have the tablet set up in the Jacks, in you go, yeah. 10 minutes, out you'll be, I tell you, it'll speed everything up. Right, the plot for Peeper fucking dreadful Kane okay Kane plays Tucker who's a private investigator uh, that Peeper has the Peeper by name that's apparently apparently 1940s lingo for a private investigator he's a private investigator who gets hired by a criminal who's on the run who's trying to find his long lost daughter anyway and give her a large sum of cash Um, so Tucker's investigating leads him to these two sisters one of whom is Natalie Wood and their mother is this rich Beverly Hills widow so Tucker reckons that one of the sisters is the man's daughter and meanwhile while all that's going on um, two guys who are trying to kill this criminal turn their attentions to Tucker Um, plus it turns out that the Beverly Hills widow's brother-in-law the girl's uncle might also be trying to blackmail both girls and maybe also trying to embezzle money from the widow. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What the fuck is wrong with your finger? What? You're... Oh, sorry. Like, they looked like, they looked like a wrinkled penis finger when I waited you jammed towards finger. the screen there. I cut my finger and wearing a plaster. How big was the cut? I'm pretty big. I kind of I sliced it with a very sharp knife. It wasn't it was no fun. We were, there was, I, I there was talk to, stitches. Talk to, talk to somebody. Just no. talk to somebody. 
this constant lit- yeah. bloodletting is not going to solve your long-term problems. You may be right. All I was trying to do was slice some garlic bread. Didn't you can't, you can't see, you can't see what I see now. But he's, 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 he's topless and he's, he's torso, <laughs> and it's like a patchwork quilt of scars. I'm not. Everyone but, tells but I, a tale. I have to. I, I have to do. I do. I call this the, one. I call this one. Davy Fitz. <laughs> I do. I have to say the, the plaster does make it look a bit like Edward Penis Finger. Or a pretty messed up circumcision like, at that. It was what it was. Is like you said, lads. We can't afford the Disney Plus subscription, so I'm going to do my own homemade ET. Oh Jesus Christ! Do you know what? That was a very nice. Uh, uh, to be fair, thank you for that little intermission because I think we needed it from from that bloody plot. Right? Where was I? Oh yeah. So yeah. So maybe you're man's embezzling the widow blah 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 right no, blah, also blah, blah, blah. Tucker also keeps meeting this guy Billy Pate who's played by Liam Dunn who's the reverend in Blazing Saddles you know he looks about 100 but he's actually only about like 50 odd in this film Um. anyway Billy Pate might be working for the brother-in-law it's hard to know he seems to kind of know more no, than no, that's it, on it's not hard to know it's just hard to care you it's hard to care fuck. yeah anyway and I'm at the end okay at the end of it all all of these people end up on the cruise ship and it turns out that Natalie Wood is not the criminal's daughter, but she tries to steal the big ball of money anyway and fails. And that's pretty much it. It's a total mess from top to bottom. Um, there's absolutely no redeeming features in this film whatsoever. Kane, in my opinion, does his best with what's there. I, if you compare it to Pulp, I think, you know, I think he like he, he narrates it like Pulp. I, I, I would say I think I would he's say slightly better fairness, at narrating. I'd yeah. say in Pulp and Fairness, at least he's the benefit of being potentially three sheets to the wind for most of the filming. Whereas <laughs> in this, it seemed less no so. But I mean, the dialogue is so terrible. Because it's so sub-channeler-esque, people take 20 minutes to say five minutes worth of fucking dialogue, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's terrible. Just to jump, and everybody back. seems like they're acting in a different movie. Like the guy who do, guy playing Anglich, the 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 criminal who's trying to give this this briefcase of cash to his uh, to the daughter he gave up for adoption. Mm-hmm. It's like he's play, like he's doing a school panto. Yeah, just turns out it's like oh, it's forced into a romance. I starts talking. I would not advise anybody to try and find this film. Right? Don't but, bother your arse. No, but, no. But if you are, you know, fooling around on YouTube or whatever. Just just search people and if you can find a couple of minutes of a clip, just have a look even because the, it's beyond belief. Even the name of the fucking thing. Even the oh, no thing sense. is peeped. No, nothing's like, peeped. Nobody peeps anything. And I mean, it, like if you hear peeper, the first thing you think is, all right, somebody knows you or somebody, you know, some fucking pervert. Yes, yeah. there's nothing. It's it's a terrible, even what, the name is fucking terrible. And the point to be made about the name, like, okay, so peeper, like as I was saying before, in LA lingo is the private investigator, right? That's fine. Okay, grand. Yeah, but the this original is a, name. Made in 19, named in 19, this film was made in 1974. So who the fuck is going on? Ah, peeper. What do but you know? What do you see? Yeah, I know, but it's trying to be noirish and all that, right? But, but I, I, and also, I know, but like the other thing is the original name for this film when it was made in 1974, and it's the name that Kane referred to it in interviews afterwards was Fat A Chance. Of well, close enough, Fat Chance. Like, what does that have to do with anything? Nothing. But the game people is nothing. nothing. Absolutely it's just, nothing. In fact, if I, and, I mean, this isn't even fleshy Kane. He's good, as I say, he's looking very well. He's got the hair cut. He looks fresh and well. I mean, it's. Nothing to do with anything. Um, no. Just, just to kind of put a bit of shape and make on this. Just to jump back very, very briefly. Like your Humphrey Bogart uh, reference, quite rightly. 
I said to start, he does the opening credits. He just rather than having why? opening credits, but why? I, sure, I don't know why. Like why is right? I don't it's know. It's not funny. It's not funny hearing somebody uh, read off a list of fucking names. No, it's, no, it's pointless. Totally and utterly pointless. The motivation. Maybe we'll just get to Kane's performance now. Like the motivation for this, according to Kane himself, was Natalie Wood. Natalie Wood and also Natalie Wood that, to get to work with her and kind of hang out why? with her again because, was because he was, was out it. with her so it's clear it's clear that Natalie at some stage did yeah so what? why I mean he went out with her yeah. so clearly she did so why is he not going back is he opposite <laughs> she would again I think it was more I think it's more professional at this stage he's married to Shakira oh. he's, he's, he's got they've got kids you know they're he's a very happily married man very happy. Based, based on this performance, well, I do think there was any anything drawing you back to fucking yeah. to, to Aquator, to be honest with you. Uh, I, know, I, I like a really bad the whole movie, uh, the, the whole denouement. Uh, that's a French word oh, or really? shit ending. Okay. Um, he's on a ship because he's yeah. kind of, oh, Jesus, yeah. I know that was a bit, um, well, they wouldn't have known it at the time, I guess, but looking back now, obviously you know, not a bit close to the bone. It would have been even weirder if they knew. Well, that, that would, would have been there was some sort of conspiracy. Indeed, it would. Indeed, it would. Maybe I hoped it were. I wonder where they brought into the investigation. So a number of years later, when poor Natalie Wood met her sad demise, drowning off the back of a boat. <laughs> you couldn't sound more cheery when you said that. I swear, <laughs> I didn't intend to. <laughs> I I have to say, and this is very knuckle draggy. Maybe this. I know to our death notices. Oh, <laughs> oh Natalie Wood. Three uh, people uh, tragically killed. Oh, and you see. know what? They'll never really get to the bottom of it. Um, yeah. I, I, maybe this sounds very knuckle draggy, but I have to. I, I and you're quite right. She's terrible in film, but Natalie Wood is just stunning on screen. <laughs> I hadn't. I haven't really outside of Rebel without a cause. I don't know. I ever really seen another Natalie West Wood West Side film. Story. I see. I'm not into musicals and stuff, so I wouldn't have watched it. But. Um, She's just amazing looking, but um, she's very poor. It's very, very poor. The film was filmed Mary, most... Well, the, next time, the next time you go cut yourself, I think uh, when you're letting out the pain, maybe think about all your repressed homophobia. Uh, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, not into, I'm not into musical. Oh, just pump, I just pump like some more iron there. Oh, yeah, I love the sports. That's why, for no, no. For no reason, I'm not covering up any deep, dark secrets. I just love sports so much. That's why I pursued it, a, a career in sports journalism. I didn't know. I didn't realise. How much do you bench, Mick? How much do you bench? I'd say a small rolling pin. I'd say <laughs> I didn't realise. I didn't realise there was so much, so much weight attached to the liking or not liking of musicals. But there we go. Everybody knows about it. It's a thing. It's a okay. fact. Fair enough. No okay. Again, I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm learning every day doing this thing. This thing was filmed most in Los Angeles, but they did. They did the cruise ship that you mentioned. They took the cruise ship to Mexico. Kane made the point. Um, this is a, a direct quote. I mean, he actually spoke about this film. We called it all the Caribbean ports, he said. It was a, it was like a lot of films. You have the time of your life making it, but it didn't work out at all. I think it's just like a lot of your movies, Mick. I think specifically, yeah. So essentially, he just did it for the free cruise. He did it for the free cruise. Is he, he aware now at this stage? His, that was it. Is he aware now at this stage of his career that the money he earns can be used to, to purchase cruises? I, he could actually afford a, a large yacht. In fact, he probably, yeah. maybe, he own, I don't know, did he own one? I'm check it out. I no, because I'd imagine there was, there's probably some long fucking story about Lawrence Olivier telling him, do you buy, never buy a boat. And from that day on, 
I never did. <laughs> or something like like the time he bought the Merc when uh, he couldn't draw or the Rolls Royce or whatever because he couldn't drive or something because of the, the and he didn't drive because the insurance would have been too high because he didn't have a driver's license so he just hired a driver instead of driver or something ridiculous like that. Accent Kane, only one small like obviously he plays he plays again. I mean a Cockney private eye in 1940s LA. I mean it's so tenuous, but. He does his he does a he, he does a telegram for Mongo impression halfway through it where he's kind of pretending to be an American actually with a telegram at the door, which is kind yeah. of telegram for Mongo. It's it's pretty bad. Sports cane, not much. There's a vigorous fight scene, all right. It's kind of like kids wrestling. And it's deliberately shot um poorly so that you can't see that it's it's not the actors, it's it's yeah. the stunt uh, stunt performers. And then the cha- like oh it's a fucking chase scene at the oh. end involving the lifeboat. The score is very heavy on it, and then there are some sound effects, and there's clearly dialogue, but they've included to cut that out to make it like some some sort of deformed, stroke-addled, limpy corpse of a fucking silent movie parody. Like, yeah, that's right. And it just that's it's just happening, and like all. Coherent <laughs> rage, though. Actually, I've got to the stage. Well, let me let me let, let me just pick up the let me just pick up the cudgel as you drop it and just drop to your knees and put your hands in your head, put your head in your hands for about the about the, the sixth time as I, already. I, as I, yeah, basically, as as I beat as I as I as my I, my arms suffer for fatigue as I beat the corpse to, uh, with the fucking baseball bat. I hand it over to you so you can take over the music. The music, right? So the music is noirish for about half the film, but somewhere during it, they just go, "Oh fuck this." So you you end up with this sort of sub streets of San Francisco uh, background music during some of the action scenes. Similarly, everybody and we talked about this, I think, with the last Valley way back about the Brian Jones putting ball haircut that you always see in those late sixties films for where one guy just refuses to get his hair cut so he fits into whatever ear it needs to be. Similarly, here everybody's in nineteen forties gear, but then when they get to the cruise ship, it turns into the freaking love boat. Everybody is has like sideburns and shaggy hair, and there's flares, and it's not like those kind of nineteen forties flapper um, pants. They're proper bell bottoms and like seventies suits with the big wide lapels and all that. It's just like what the, we've just got, we've all given up at this stage. No, totally not really given up. Sorry, Stephen is still on his hands and knees with his head in his hands, beating beating the ground. I just um, try to massage some life back into my arms before I go go around to administering more death blows to the head. <laughs> uh, the, I, I, think I think this is the most. I think this is probably the most classical, classically seventies movie looking movie that he's done. For me, so? it looked like an awful lot, like the, the like the color and the whatever film that they were using. Oh, this sounds very. I don't want to get okay. too technical, but the way it looked, yeah. Um, I thought it was uh, this is a real Richard Donner's Superman vibe to it. I mean, even Kane is dressed almost exactly like uh, Jimmy Olsen or, or Clark Kent uh, yes. or, uh, in that movie. Yeah, uh, it looks re- re- real look and feel of that. Of course, again, without, uh, that movie managed to have more wit in its dialogue between its characters in the first five minutes than this manages to get through in its entire eighty-seven minutes. I 
just when it just jumps into my head there, we should have a very, very quick word about the director, Peter Hyams. Um, yes. Of, of, Peep, of Peeper, Peter Hyams, yes. the director said, it managed to combine critical and commercial failure. And that made me colder than ice. Nobody wanted me. It was a huge, like, I mean, it was a disaster on all sorts of levels, particularly for Peter Himes. However, he did go on to like direct Capricorn One um, yep. with OJ. Time Cop. Simpson. Time, Time Cop. Cop. Do you want to know an interesting kind of factoid about Running Scared? Running Scared. Running Billy scared. Crystal and Gregory Hines. Great yes. show. Yeah, uh, that is. Is that the one with um? Is that the one with Michael McDonald's song? And then feed him. No more. We'll have to pay the estate. Uh, uh, okay. Outland, which is a, a much uh, maligned and I guess overlooked Sean Connery movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tied it back to last. Tied it back. There's a callback now for you that many people will find interesting to the last week. Uh, last week's podcast on uh, the man who will be king. Indeed, indeed, an, yeah. in, an in-house reference you'd almost say. Yeah. Um, the scriptwriter, scriptwriter who adapted uh, adapted the book, also wrote the Body Snatchers remake, the uh, seventy the 70s remake with Jeff Goldblum and uh, yeah. Donald Sutherland. Uh, he also wrote Stealth, which, if you've ever seen it, is what again. Uh, one of the worst movies ever. I think one of the worst <laughs> movies of the last twenty years is that Jessica Biel and, uh, if not Bradley Cooper, a Bradley Cooper esque person and uh, Jamie Fox. It, have you seen that? I have not. I have it's not. about a stealth a stealth aircraft that that, that uh, is powered by AI. But oh. don't you know? Spoiler: It goes evil. No way. It goes rogue. I think. I think, I think that movie ends in the kind of a fight at the the demilitarized zone uh, between North and South Korea. Oh, for the love of God! Like, I mean, yeah. really. I mean, sometimes I, you know, isn't it? You know, we go. I don't know whether you did this or not, but I, I watch movies sometimes and go, wow, I wonder how that got into production. Like, I, mean, what, I mean, it must be so hard to get a movie made. And then you look at some of them and go, some guy just piled a load of shit. It was like, you know, like, you know the way Bowie used to write lyrics at one point, you know, he just kind of take random phrases and put them all together and try and make some. It's like that. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick something from the location. Are you, refer- are you referring to David Bowie's uh, use of the William Burroughs uh, cut and paste technique for, uh, for, for writing lyrics, Michael? Yeah, I think you are. So yeah, I'm going to take one from the location bucket, South Korea. Now I'm going to take one from the uh, large machinery bucket, uh, Stealth Bomber, you know? And it's just, and I'm now I'm going to take one from the... Uh, you know, the B-list actor, Jessica Beale. And now I need someone, um, a bit of, bit of diversity, oh, Jamie Foxx. And we'll put them all together and it'll be, I was like, what the fuck, how do these things get made? Sorry, I want to go back to Peter Himes for just one second. An interesting little fact out about Peter Himes. So he, he Himes, sorry. He directed Capricorn 1, stars O.J. Simpson. He also directed a guy called Robert Blake in a film yes. called Busting. Now, Busting yes. came out before Peeper. Actually, Busting was so good. They liked, uh, the guys, the, the producers of um, Peeper liked how Himes had kind of, you know, directed comedy. Would, would, you, would you say that Busting made them feel good? I, I would. I would. Elliot Gould was in that as well. Elliot Gould, who we'll be seeing very, very shortly in another Kane film. But before we get to that, anyway, so Busting, okay. Um, Robert Blake, like OJ, was also acquitted of his Innocent. wife's murder. Yeah, acquitted of his wife's murder. Um, so Hyams has the, I suppose, the dubious honour of uh, having directed uh, two two star actors who were both acquitted of their wife's murder. Actually, Tarantino dedicated his novelization of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood to Robert Blake. And if my memory serves me right, didn't Brad's pit character in that film also kill his wife? Yep. There we go. 
Anyway, back to Kane. Back to this incomprehensible. Just, just to point out as well, obviously, as we all know, that there's the chances of uh, a Hollywood actress participating and getting away with murder is quite high. So many directors would possibly uh, (laughs) um, directed movies with multiple murders in them. And long may they continue to do so and uphold that proud Hollywood tradition. If I, I and so say all of us. Yes. Anything else in this? There's a nighttime chase, a, a car chase scene oh, that ends in a God, traffic jam. No, I'm just going. I'm just going. No, I, I no, know. I'm going to call, 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 call time in this year. We've talked about. <laughs> <it. Like, laughs> I don't want to say that it was a very good idea. It was very badly put together. That's all I was going to say. Yeah, that's, that's it. Very bad idea and very badly put together. There you go. That's your That's your. Uh, that's your. Yeah. That's your synopsis. Hey, the reviews you even need to, do we even need to? Like, um, you know, it, it just it generally gets panned or sort of um, just, I think it just kind of rolls, rolls over people. It was a complete flop, completely forgotten about. Came out at the end of 1975. It was released, it was put on the shelf in 1974, brought out in late 1975 on the back of the success of Chinatown and Farewell My Lovely and this notion that noir films were back in. But I think the key thing that they missed there was that those other two films were good. That was the key. Ah, that just key I'd imagine what they were doing. I mean, the, the Long Goodbye came out a year, or two years beforehand. The Long Goodbye was in 1973. And mm. that's one of the best modern yeah. noir films of all. Like, classic movie. So, yeah, there was there was a kind of trend for the moment. This, again, did, uh, I, I imagine, did the same thing that happens with, when there's a trend. There's always, like, three or four good movies, and then there's one that just kind of, that just kills it. It's yeah. Like, oh, we're all enjoying these, the, the, we're all enjoying these uh, noir movies, and then this comes out, and you're like, no, I, this isn't no, for me anymore. No, no, this, it's, it's time has passed. And I mean, we're, we're, are we, Kane, you know, okay, it's about Natalie Wood, it's, it's about getting on the cruise ship and having a bit of fun. We are, so we've, we spoke about his, his affection for noir, look, he, Humphrey Bogart, a favourite actor, the opening scene in Billion Dollar Brain, which was kind of very noirish, pulp, obviously, and now this, another noir film. They just, they're just, apart from the opening can, scene in Billion Dollar Brain, which I wouldn't even put in the same league as this, not, not the point, both pulp, certainly to my, well, look, I'm not a fan of noir, really. Anyway, I'm not really into, I don't get all that hard-boiled dialogue, and uh, yeah, yeah, fine whatever but no to be honest with you, I've watched we have watched two absolutely atrocious noir films so I mean what else are we going to think you know what are we going to do right where are we is it time for marks for Kane yeah where we are marking the performance rather than the movie which gets minus 4,000 so yeah. what uh, what are you thinking three yeah I was giving him a generous four but I go with three it's just I do think he's oh god I can't believe I'm saying this like Pulp Pulp is a better film, but I think in some regards, Ken is kind of better in this. He's doing more with far less, but it's still I think, poor. I think there's, I mean, only so, there's only so mo- there's only so many times you can clean up the mess he's left on the rug before you really need to start seriously considering about bringing him to the vet. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's time now. It is time. But here's the thing. We're a long, long, long way away from him stopping messing the rug. He's going to continue to mess the rug. We're in the middle. Like, does it feel like this I know, is at, I know he's at the age where you kind of go, well, this, this kind of happens at that time of life. Like. Yeah, well, it's, we're getting there. Does it feel to you now, like, I mean, we're in the middle of the 70s. So he's just like, oh, it was 23 movies in the 70s. This is about number 12 or 13. We're so far down the Andy Dufresne tube of shit 
that we can't see behind us and we can't see in front of us. And we are just moving through films now. Does it feel like that to you? Yeah, I mean, we haven't quite developed a taste for 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 shit, no. but at the same time, we've just stopped vomiting. You know? Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. not sort of. I'm smelling it, but it's not quite registering the way it did early on with me now. Yeah, it's the mid seventies, yeah. and it's like, my God, he's in Hollywood and he's doing this. And next up, we move into 1976, um, and it's another movie lost to posterity before we even looking digging and poking around the grave. Uh, Harry and Walter go to New York. After we bust that bank, we're going to be eating lunch here for the rest of our life. I know nothing of it, but it's got Elliot Gould in it. It's got Diane Keaton in it. And it's got, it's got James Caan in it. It's comedy, apparently. Oh, so no. that's kind of heavyweight mid-70s, isn't it? It is, but it's also got, it's got comedy, which is like the the warning, you know, stranger danger. Um, it's the alert. <laughs> it's just the red. It's the red flag when we're talking about Mick Cain. Like it's gonna go. Oh no, you hear the yeah. cast? Oh yeah, but it's a comedy. Gonna go. Oh nope, sorry, no, not for me. Well, I think, but unfortunately, I, it will be for us. I think his comedy chops have definitely improved during the seventies, though. And he's 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 delivering it, but like he's definitely improved. He's definitely improved as a comedic actor. You can't say he's what's not. The, what, what's, the, what's the point? All right, what's the point? If you're improving your skills as a football player and you're still playing for fucking, uh, I, I, uh, I'm going to say West Bromwich Albion, you know, what's the point? You're an excellent striker, but you're still playing with, play, still, still playing with a shit team. With a Johnny Nomar club. Yeah. Johnny Nomar club. Yeah, you know what I mean? There's my wonderful sport reference for the fucking week. Nice. We, we, again, again, I would say it again. Please, everybody tune in for Escape to Victory. It's just going to be fantastic. <laughs> We're definitely going to have to get help for that one. Would you like to hear Jimmy Can's reaction to Harry and Walter go to New York? Uh, yes. He sacked his management and referred to it as Harry and Walter go down the toilet. So I think that gives us a good sense of what we're uh, Jimmy Oh, Jimmy Can, thank you. Any more pull quotes, please? You're just the gift that keeps on giving. Fucking I, I think Jimmy, I think Jimmy by the mid 70s, if, if my memory serves me right, and I'm, 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 I'm open to correction here, I think his career by the mid 70s was starting to bottom out a little bit after the glory of the Godfather films. So, um, the glory of the Godfather film. Um, so uh, he made Thief in 1981. So oh, I know, yeah, but like we're yeah, that's yeah. I'm saying, we're we're five years away from that. Like you know, that's, right. uh, so he's kind of he's going through a he's going through a bit of a spell. But anyway, look, we we'll hope springs eternal. Maybe this might be too bad. Um, anything else? Anything else you'd like to add to this? Nah, nah we talked too much about it. Pottery of chat. Yeah, no. yeah, we're we're in the middle. As we say, we're in the middle of Kane's mid seventies dross. We had the glory of the man who will be king last time, but we are really in the middle of some real trudgy stuff now. But stay with us, stay with us. It's always worked. It's not worth watching the movies, but it's worked, hopefully it's worth listening to us. Fucking basically oh, yeah, go, go, a, go yeah, through therapy all... having watched them. You know. So if you're happy to hear two grown men slowly go mad um, over the course of <laughs> the, ah, what ah, seems like an eternity ah, of podcasts. Ah. Yeah, that this is this is the place where it might be actually taught, taught in some psychology courses. Uh, somebody might do the dissertation on the the long term effects of watching Michael Caine movies. Imagine two the, decades. Ima- <laughs> yeah. Imagine the state of us at the end of the seventies. Oh my God, we're going we're we're going to look worse than like the Rolling Stones road crew by the end of this. Yeah, I think we're going to look like fucking Keith Richards' taint. <laughs> Stephen, thank you as always. 
Thank you, Mick. And as always, dear listener, and I'm saying singular because let's be realistic. We, uh, we, we, we know, yeah. I mean, no one, we, no we one tuned in for this one, really, did you? No, and if you did, no. thanks, like, but really. Thanks a lot, but you know, uh, as always, you could follow our various Twitterings on Twitter at MarketCane2. Like, subscribe on the podcasting platform of your choice. Uh, leave positive reviews, glowing ones. Maybe include links in your posts uh, some, to kind of help that Mick can get to free self-harming problem. And we'll see you next week. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. That's it for this week's episode. Thanks for listening. Make sure to like and subscribe. And maybe leave a comment. Only nice ones, though. Mean comments will make Alfie cry, and no one wants to see that. The Michael Kane podcast is written, researched, and presented by Stephen Black and Michael Foley, and edited by Andrew Foley. Music is composed by Stephen Black. If you'd like to get in touch, you'll find us on Twitter at, at Mallow News and at MarcoCane2. And if you enjoyed this episode, you'll find all the rest wherever you get your podcasts. Mark of Kane is a Mallow News 2 Cubes production. See you next time.